It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for the 2019 Texas Bowl. We're right here in Houston, Texas. The Aggies will travel just 90 miles up the road and to home of NRG Stadium to face the number 25 Oklahoma State Cowboys next Friday, a week from today, December 27th at 5.45. That game can be featured on ESPN, but naturally most of you Aggies are going to be in the building at NRG, tailgating, getting ready to see Jimbo Fisher and his staff bring home another victory to the program. Guys, before we begin, so just some house cleaning stuff. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies, at Aggies SI. Remember, Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to give you quality content daily and an audio element towards your Aggie coverage. And if you want to follow me on social media it's really simple it's i'm at mr cole thompson i'm a mr i'm a cole thompson that's my name don't wear it out so at mr cole thompson at aggies si and at locked on aggies it's it's friday which means it's time for asking aggies this is the part of the show where i take questions found on social media via either it was twitter or instagram or facebook or you just texted me we're going to answer a lot of questions some of the biggest names that you want to talk about of course is the recruiting class this season at Texas A&M was able to receive 22 early signee recruits. 13 of them will enroll to College Station in January and will be a part of their offseason program, helping the team get into a right set of mind. So we're going to start off with questions about recruiting. In the next segment, we'll talk a little bit about the Texas Bowl, maybe some questions about some players who are going to play, maybe not. And finally, we're going to close out the show talking about this upcoming basketball weekend where Texas A&M will host Oregon State for their second to last game in non-conference play. So, 22 signees were able to join the Aggie staff. They are officially committed to the program for at least one season, the 2020 year. 13 of them will be on campus starting in January. This is a big get for Jimbo Fisher. This is the most that he's ever had to start a program off with early signees. That is a big positive for the program because when you're looking at the schedule and some holes they need to fill, and the talent that's coming in. I definitely think that this is an area where the team is going to benefit for having these guys early. So first question that's going to be asked comes from Dale. Who will be the early impact signee that will make the most sense to start in 2020? Well, I think there's a few guys that you could put up there, but the biggest name right now that I would say has the best chance to start is Brian George, the four-star cornerback coming from a JUCO college. You have to remember that he's going to be entering his junior year and has two years of eligibility. So they're going to want to see what he can do immediately because if they can probably start him while redshirting another player for an extra year of eligibility down the line. Whereas a guy like George, who has the skills, shined in Kansas at Highland Community College, made a ton of plays, can factor in early with the plan and potentially take over for Charles Oliver as the permanent starter in the nickel slot nickel slot formation maybe you move Miles Jones inside and you have him play the outside with Elijah Blades but the biggest difference between 
George and Blades is Blades didn't come in until fall camp. Sorry, my correction, summer camp, but he wasn't a part of the program for the spring semester. So he was a little behind. And a lot of people thought that he was going to be the permanent starter once he got to campus. It took him a couple weeks to get used to the system and get used to Elko's defense and seeing it live against opponents for him to be able to really transform into the player that he was. Once he started, there was no turning back. He was the top cornerback for the team. He consistently was making plays in the open field. He was making plays in the secondary, breaking up passes, playing pretty solid coverage. That could be the difference between him and George, where George can come in, learn the system, be there for the maroon and white game later on this year, be there for all things surrounding the team, be a part of Elko's offseason plans, and learn how to better prepare for the upcoming season. There's going to be younger guys coming in slowly and surely, but when you have an older guy who knows the system, knows the style, and only has a few years of eligibility left, he makes the most sense to probably earn a starting role first. Because of that veteran experience is that something that you can't teach. And although he did go to a community college, he played against athletes who are at a higher level than these freshmen coming in. So I would say George right now has the best opportunity to start. Next question comes from Deborah. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is it for the Aggies to sign Zach Evans? I'm going to go with an 8. And here's why. Because of I do think that Isaiah Spiller needs a secondary guy. And I think Cordarian Richardson, as good as he was this year, was so inconsistent on being that second guy with Jay Sean Corbin out. And now with Corbin leaving the program, you need another running back. I mean, that's just the end of the case. You need someone else to step up just in case of anything goes wrong. And that was what Spiller was. He rushed for 100 yards in four games, but he also struggled at moments. So say he's struggling, you need someone else to come in. And a guy like Zach Evans, five-star recruit out of North Shore, the number one running back in the nation, has offers from pretty much every college in America, including the big ones such as Alabama. I see that... If he lands with AM, it's a big get. But at the same time, I'm looking at this AM group that they have in place, and I'm not sure that we're over underselling DeAndre ja- Jackson and Devin Achney. I mean, Achney is a speedster. He's gonna be your James White type player. Thousand yard thousand total yards on the season as a pass catcher at the backfield and as a runner. He's gonna be your change of pace back. In high school at Fort Bend Marshall, he had 114 career touchdowns, and he still can score more tomorrow when they play in the state championship. DeAndre Jackson was a workhorse for his high school in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and was the lead back. Both these guys, I think, can contribute and play a massive role with the team. So not getting Evans would stink, because if you want another five-star, Damon Damas is the only five-star AM has. So it's great for the recruiting process, but at the end of the day, it's not as big as a deal to get a guy like him when you have two guys in place and you don't know what their future holds. Both of them could be stars, and we could have the same conversation next year with Spiller transferring. That's just the case. We don't know what's going to happen with him. 
But what we do know is that Evans' talent is too good to pass up on. And he will make his decision on January 2nd. And it's likely going to be, be between LSU and A&M. If A&M gets him, that's a huge get. So I put it as a 7 because of I still think that Jackson and Achney both can contribute early on and maybe pick up the production that Evans alone would have. If you combine them together, maybe it works out. Speaking of working out, there are players getting ready and able to play in the Texas Bowl. We're going to break down some of their names and some of your questions surrounding that bowl game in just a quick moment. Guys, if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live with the host or show's Twitter account on social media, and we will share and retweet your favorite thoughts on the best Locked On podcast of the year. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you're not following us at LockedOnPodcast.com, what are you doing with your life? We have over two dozen college football, college basketball shows ready and able to listen at the push of a button. So make sure you're following us. Make sure you're following my counterpart as you prepare for the Texas Bowl at Locked On Pokes. They do a great job. And listen to all of our great content at LockedOnPodcast.com. The 2019 Texas Bowl is a week away, and we have questions surrounding the bowl game, surrounding both sides, and what we could see happen moving forward. First question comes from Davis. Davis asks, if there's one player you expect to play in the bowl game that will leave after, who is it? I have to go with one of the wide receivers. Because with the signings of Musa Muhammad Jr. and Damon Damas and a few other guys, and Blake Smith at the tight tight end position, there's not going to be enough chances for them to probably boost their stock next year because Kellen Mond is going to have a plethora of weapons to throw to. And when you're not a key star like that, your draft stock somewhat hurts. Because of, yeah, I mean, you're looking at what Jerry Judy is doing in Alabama and what Devonta Smith is doing and Henry Ruggs. All of them still are close to 1,000 yards. I mean, Tua Tungavailoa just was killing the throwing the rock. Everywhere. The run game struggled, and that's why Najee Harris maybe comes back next year for Alabama because of his draft stock could be better with a younger receiving core. With a younger receiving core coming in, that pushes these guys out. So I think for sure I had to decide between Courtney Davis or Jamon Osmond. I would go with Davis. I think his skill set can transition to the NFL a little better. And I think that part of the reason for Osmond's success has been his connection with Mon since their freshman year. And you can probably get more out of Osmond in a year if he still is the lead target. Meanwhile, Kendrick Rogers, I don't see leaving because if he had a down year. Now, if he had a big year this year, he would have been my easy choice. Send him out the door. I could see him packing. But now, I think when you're looking at the other guys, Courtney Davis is the one who's kind of the odd man out. Because you don't want him losing snaps to Damos and Anaya Smith. Because then his draft stock is completely gone. At the same time, if he comes back and he shines, how much more of a draft collateral are you getting? I'm not sure any of them leave at this point. But if there's one on offense, for sh- for sure, I'd go Courtney Davis just because I don't see Rodgers or Osbin leaving the program. Now, defensively, maybe Keldrick Harper, 
I don't think so. But you know, at the same time, you're looking at some of the guys that they were that were brought in, uh, Antonio Antonio Morrison. Uh, then you have uh, Jalen Jones, who could play safety, can play cornerback. There's just at some point you don't want to hurt your draft stock. So maybe if you think that you can pull a Donovan Wilson, maybe walk on to an NFL program, maybe just try your luck there, that'd be beneficial for you. I just don't see right now anyone on the defense side leaving besides Matt BK. I think everyone kind of figured he was going to go because of he had the best stats and his draft stock might not get as higher than ever at this point. But at the same time, if there's a defensive guy that goes, who are you saying? Because everyone really played as a unit and the best players are too young to declare. I don't know. I'd go Courtney Davis and Keldra Carver would be my two picks for sure right now. Question number two comes from OKFan123. How do the Aggies expect to replace Matabike's presence to stop the run game of Chubba Hubbard? Well, here's the good news. Bobby Brown and Jalen Peavy have done a fantastic job playing in rotational roles behind Matabike this year. I expect both of them to be contributors up front, and whichever player is getting more stops on the offensive line, bursting through the hole, and holding Hubbard to limited gains will probably get more playing time. I think both these guys are going to be starters next season, and while there's talent such as Dallas Walker coming in, uh, Christian Jones coming in, their veteran experience will at least keep them in the eyes of Jimbo Fisher a little longer, and this is going to be a big bowl game. Both had very good, solid stats for their years, and Peavy's a freshman. You're going to be able to build around him to be the long-term replacement for Matt PK. At the same time, Hubbard's played against a lot of Big 12 defenses and Pac-12 defenses that average around giving up 30 to 40 points a game. The SEC defense is completely different. A&M has allowed 50 points in one game, and they've allowed zero in another. They've allowed 24 points in one game, and they've allowed seven in another. It's a very sound defense, and Hubbard's never faced an opponent like this before. So I understand where Oklahoma State fans are coming from because, yeah, you're going up against a guy who has led the nation in rushing, but this is a top 30 run defense. They're going to create pressure, and they're going to hold him to some stops. And if you lose that one element of the game, maybe this game is over a lot quicker than everyone else thinks. Oklahoma State finished 8-4 and four, Texas A&M finished 7-5. and five. Mike Gundy said that this was the best 7-5 and five team in the country. Ever. I see that. And I see the reasoning why. Five losses to top 10 opponents. And you're looking at who some of the losses Oklahoma State was to. They're not comparable at this point. So, yeah. Hubbard's going to have a good game, I think. But it's not like his run game is going to deteriorate, you know, completely. But at the same time, he's not going to have his 175-yard game like he always does. Last question comes to us from Judith. She asks, do you think that this will be one of the better bowl games of the college football season? Yes, I do. I actually do. You're having a top 30 run defense, although you're losing your best player against the nation's leading rusher. That's going to sell. That's going to put fans in the seats. That's going to put a lot of people tuning in on ESPN. And the location of the bowl game is close enough for both fans to travel to. When you have a full packed house, like I believe NRG is, and 
the entire 12th man section is sold out already by AM fans. It's a sold out game on AM side. That's going to do dividends for your program, and that's going to show that, wow, this is a game that we have to see. Because when fans are involved, I truly believe the intensity of a game gets stronger. And although this is a lesser bowl game, it features two teams that are known for being quality teams. Plus, you have the history with the Big 12. Plus, you have the history of both these teams kind of being the second sister team to the other schools with Oklahoma and UT. And both of them can make statements for the future of their programs. A&M can really make a statement to show that all five of their losses were quality losses, and they won every single game that they were expected to win. Meanwhile, for Oklahoma State, you can prove that just because we play in the Big 12 and we finished 8-4, and four, we are a top 25 team, and we're deserving of being ranked this season. So I do think this is going to be a very competitive game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than fans expect, and I think that both coaches are in it to win it. Neither one of these coaches, neither one of these staff should come in going, oh, we're playing in the Texas Bowl. It's not a big game. No, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And it's something to keep an eye on for moving forward. We have bowl season starting this weekend, and this is going to be one of those games, I think, when everything is said and done and the games are over and we're, you know, we're looking at the system and we're looking at everything that's happening. We can sit there and go, yep, this was a good game. This was one of the better games for the postseason. That's going to do it for asking Aggies. When we come back in just a quick moment, there's still basketball to talk about. The Aggies are hoping to continue their winning streak in non-conference opponents this weekend against Oregon State. Here's what you need to know heading into Saturday's game. We'll break that down in just a quick moment. Guys, we know the holiday season can be stressful and sometimes you're a little late getting gifts. So go ahead and go visit breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes fun sports t-shirts surrounding team's most passionate moments and it's a great gift for all fans. So go check out breakingtea.com slash locked on and feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts this holiday season. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. We're going to switch gears, switch sports, and move over to the court as Texas A&M basketball looks to continue their winning ways in non-conference play as they face off against the Oregon State Beavers at Reed Arena tomorrow night at 7.30 tip-off. Overall, I think this could be a very interesting game. When you look at this team, they're sitting at 4-5. and They're... A lot, they're scoring about 57 points per game. The problem is they're allowing 62.8 points per game. That's 61st most in the country. They got a win last week over uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, 63-60. And they're hoping to build off the success of the program. I think a lot of people are hoping that Buzz Williams transforms this program around. And it's a lot like Jimbo Fisher. It's an enticing program. There's a lot of recruiting. There's a lot of positivity that comes with the recruiting trail in Texas. They can have a chance to be one of the better teams in the conference down the line. And they have a coach who knows how to recruit and knows how to win. But it takes time. I think that when you look at this game, the keys of winning are going to be scoring early. And that's going to rely on Savion Flag. He's right now averaging 10.3 points per game. I want to see him take control of the team. You have to score when you have the opportunity to, and you can't just make risky shots because of the shot clock is about ready to expire. I want to see you score, 
but also make the proper shots to show that you are improving as a program. You also have to score in the paint, and that's where Josh Nebo is going to come in. Right now, he's been probably the team's best player. He leads the team with 11.1 points per game, and he's doing a very good job of holding down the fort, not just in rebounds, but also in keeping the team's composure together. He's been, I think, the key factor to the team's success. And I think that if you look at the way that he's played, he kind of gives you a basis of how the game's going to go. If he's scoring and you're getting the ball into his hands and he's making rebounds and he's getting plays, he's going to be someone to watch for, especially against a very good Oregon State defense. Overall, I think that there are some things that AM needs to work on. I think that they need to pass the ball a little more, be able to have more than just a one-motion offensive identity. But I think that they could get this win. I definitely think that, and I think that they can easily make Oregon State tremble against any opponent. They need to make sure that they are starting their program off this season with Williams before conference play on the right note. And by doing that and getting wins against Texas Southern and Oregon State, that's how. That's how you do it, and that's exactly how you're going to see this team improve. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media, at Locked on Aggies, at Aggies SI, and at Mr. Cole Thompson. We'll be back Monday, breaking down the beginning of bowl season week. Texas A&M and Oklahoma State will travel to Houston. We will have coverage surrounding both teams and everything you need to be looking out for as we head into Friday's game for a 545 kickoff at NRG Stadium. We will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. And remember, gig em, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.